0: Money FM 89.3. Best of Breakfast. Morning Shot.
1: Good morning. You're listening to Money FM 89.3 and on our daily morning shot segment. After a highly anticipated visit to Moscow by Chinese President Xi Jinping, it seems that there's still no peace in sight expected on the Ukraine war front. At the meeting that came more than a year since a Russian troops set foot in Ukraine, Xi displayed a strong show of solidarity with his Russian counterpart, uh, President Vladimir Putin against the West, but barely mentioned the Ukraine conflict. For an analysis on Presidency's meeting at the Kremlin, we're joined by Karen Otter, Norman Dwight-Harris, Professor of International Relations at Northwestern University. Very good day to you, Karen. You're coming to good us to all you. the way from Illinois? Yes, I am. Yes, all right. First off, how would you read into the timing of this meeting? It's, after all, the first physical one since uh, Russian troops set foot in Ukraine more than a year ago, and coming just days after the International Criminal Court issued an arrest warrant for Putin for alleged war crimes. So I think that the arrest warrant
0: um, was more a timed event in anticipation of this meeting than this meeting was a timed event after the arrest warrant. Xi Jinping, with the opening of China, is trying to show that he's back on the world stage and he's trying to say, I'm a leader on the world stage, so... This has been on his agenda, but it is significant that he's going to Moscow. It is a sign of support for Vladimir Putin.
1: All right, Xi and Putin referred to one another as dear friends. Putin said that Russia is always open for a negotiation process and both leaders promised economic cooperation. What's your assessment of this outcome? How convincing is Putin's promise to China, taking into account the power dynamic between Beijing and Moscow, which seems to have dramatically shifted in recent months?
0: Well, Russia and China have been acting on in joint ways, especially with respect to international law for many years. So this is not new. What is new is it's a less equal relationship, if it ever was an equal relationship, than it was in the past because of Putin's folly in Ukraine, his war of choice in Ukraine. So they tried to present a united front. That united front has existed since socialist times, but the effort to try to project it on the world stage is something that's been happening over the last few years. And the Ukraine war just complicates this this cooperation
1: and this effort. President Xi arrived in Moscow, right, holding his visit as a peace mission. And uh, this peace mission is centered around a 12-point position paper aimed at ending the fighting in Ukraine. Do you think Putin's and Xi's agendas are aligned on Ukraine?
0: I think that Ukraine is really a mess for Xi Jinping, and he's trying to paper over how much of a mess it is. Before the war broke out, they had built, or, Xi Jinping had built an international platform, along with Russia, that was formally committed to the UN system and to multilateralism. If mm-hmm. the war in Ukraine is such a violation of international law, of the UN charter, and of the UN system, that you can't really square. His uh, Xi Jinping's support of Russia in this war, with everything that he's been saying as uh, regarding the peaceful rise of China and China's commitment to multilateralism, he's trying to paper over that difference uh, and say that the relationship is as strong as it's always been. And while he hasn't offered any genuine peace plan, people in the United States, at least, assume that he that Xi Jinping imagines that after the fact. He can make a deal with Ukraine, maybe give Ukraine a lot of aid to help rebuild. And that all will be forgotten about the the ways in which it really belied its promises to international law, to the UN system and to Ukraine as a sovereign state. think in the traditional realist fashion, they think that the facts on the ground will change any perception of what happened in the process.
1: Let's get into that, Karen. Can you shed some light on what's really going on between the rhetoric and reality in terms of efforts to end Russia's war in Ukraine? well from the very beginning i've been watching whether
0: china would actually play a helpful role would it stop trading with russia or at least limit its trading with russia in ways that would make the economic sanctions more effective and with this visit we see xi jinping more openly going in the opposite direction china has avoided openly helping russia both economically and in terms of its war effort. Uh, And now it has been buying Russian oil, but now what Xi Jinping is saying is that we're open for trade and all economic relationships. And you can see that he is very upset with the Western efforts to sanction um, Russia, and he wants to undermine the, the Western efforts to sanction Russia. All along, though, he's had tremendous leverage that he could have used to de-escalate the war, Mm -hmm. to find an easier way out of it. And instead, Putin is going increasingly towards total war. I do think that uh, Xi Jinping has laid a line. In the sand about nuclear weapons i also think there's really no interest for russia to use nuclear weapons so there may be a line in the sand and whether that line is necessary to avoid that level of escalation is certainly debatable but there's so much that china could have done to bring this war to a rapid end that it has not done which is why westerners look at these statements including the new 12-point plan which is just a repackaging of everything it's been saying all along it's not a serious effort.
1: All right. Uh, recently, we've been seeing China trying to assert its position on the world stage. What indicators should we be looking at in the coming days to ascertain whether China is indeed capable of resolving a global conflict in the role of what it calls a peacemaker?
0: Well, China is certainly not playing a peacemaking role right now. In fact, it's, it's working on building an alternative to the Western sanctions. And so I think I don't really know how to look at it as a peacemaking role because I don't believe that there actually is a genuine peacemaking role, except that after the fact they'll offer aid. I think the question about China's role on the world stage is where you're going to see a lot of posturing going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that that Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, you know, they're used to ruling in a certain way. They're used to ruling in a very top-down way, stopping opposition and complaints through coercive power and using ideology and rhetoric to kind of tell the story that they want to tell. All of that is a lot harder to do on the international stage Mm -hmm. because other countries will criticize them. You can't control how other countries respond and feel. And these efforts to just use ideology and top-down statements to refashion the rhetoric, it's gonna have limited success. So I think you're gonna see Xi Jinping doing a lot of symbolic projection showing up at places, giving a lot of position papers, speaking in very nice words. But I do think his support in this war in Ukraine is a glaring hole that shows that his, his words are not backed up by deeds. And so in that respect, unless they genuinely play a peacemaking role, which I don't see how that's possible when you extend economic relations to Russia and when you don't actually put any pressure on Russia to help uh, end the crisis, Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they would say, well, what about the United States putting pressure on Ukraine? I think in the in the end there will have to be some kind of um, negotiations that whether formally or through backdoor channels involves the Western countries telling Ukraine you need to make a, a peace agreement and China telling Russia you need to make a peace agreement. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that peace will emerge. China's gonna do everything it can to make it seem like it is the deal maker. But it's just not the dealmaker. It's going to take a whole bunch of actors. And in the end of the day, Ukraine gets to decide, as does Putin, gets to decide whether they keep fighting.
1: So if you don't think it's a peace mission and you don't see China as playing a, the role of a peacemaker, what do you make of the two-day state visit in, in Russia?
0: The goal is to deepen economic relations in a way that undermines what is a, a greatly expanding western sanctioning regime that directly targets russia but also directly targets china because mm. it's happening at the same time that the united states is in, is openly worried about china's technological prowess and so china sees a direct threat against itself and is trying to find ways to inoculate themselves against this pressure one of these uh, examples doesn't involve china directly but I believe I read that, that Russia and Iran have linked their payment systems, and Venezuela exports oil to Iran. And so there's, they're developing whole other networks of exchange through which money can trade hands and through which trade can occur. And this is all a way to balance the Western control of the global economy. And I think that's really what this is about. It's not about a peace in Ukraine. It's about building an economic counterweight.
1: Okay, the Western world has obviously taken a hardline stance, on Russia and China seems to be taking a more nuanced approach. Can you give us a sense of what do you think the Kremlin is trying to get out of this? And um, what exactly does the Kremlin want to see on the negotiating table if they come back to the negotiating table?
0: Well, let me disagree with this hardline versus nuanced. You know, there is a U.N. charter that prohibits the use of force and invasion against the territorial integrity of another state. Okay, that's that's a very hard Mm -hmm. and fast rule to say that China and Russia want to ignore that rule and want to allow borders to change in other ways. That's not nuanced. Mm -hmm. That's a fundamental disagreement on whether you respect the U.N. charter system and whether you respect the rules based international order. I think there's a a narrative of empire that Putin has used through the prerogative powers that empires have, and that in the world in which I operate, international relations theory, you're seeing this resurrection in China of these Confucian ideologies. I'm going to totally mispronounce it, but ch-cha, ch-cha, um is the framework. We're all under heaven framework, where they espouse an idea of peaceful relations that are really the hegemonic power gets to determine the terms of the relations, in large, in large part, not 100%. Um, and so I think those are both harkening back to old imperial ideas about how international relations are supposed to work. It's supposed to work through weaker powers deferring to stronger powers. That is not the rules-based international system that was set up after World War II, That is not what the U.N. charter promises. That is not what international law promises. I don't see this as nuanced versus hard line. I see this as a fundamental disagreement about how the global system is supposed to operate. And on that disagreement, I think that weaker powers have gained a lot of rights under this rules-based system. And while they don't want to confront China and they don't want to confront Russia, in fact, they're quite happy to buy cheaper Russian oil for many countries. Mm -hmm. Um, They also, when push comes to shove, would much prefer a rules-based system that protects their sovereignty and their interests.
1: All right, we're going to have to leave it there, Karen. Thank you very much for sharing your perspectives with us. We've been speaking with Karen Alter, Norman Dwight-Harris, Professor of International Relations at Northwestern University. Thank you. Thank you.
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg